you know, when, when reading over this passage, the past, um, well, I guess several weeks, actually, it's, I wanted to, I told Pastor James, I, I want to get a ladder, put it against the church, climb on the roof, and weep over the city. Because what sin does, before I was in a ministry, I, um, I was a systems analyst, and then, then I was a, uh, went from that to the coal mines. That's another story. But working in the coal mines before the ministry, we, it, it was a dangerous place. And, and guys would, I would be sharing my faith all the time. I mean, they called me preacher then. I wasn't even in the ministry yet. I shared my faith with them. In the mines that I was in, there would be two, three cave-ins a week. So it was a dangerous mine to work in. You just keep the cave, keep the cave-ins in front of you, not behind you. So, so the guys, you know, we had a really bad cave-in one time, and we were pretty shook up because, I mean, literally running, and you could feel the rock from the, from the roof falling, hitting your back as you're running. It was that close. Uh, so, well, so we finally get it all settled. We're, we're settled in, and, and we're talking, and, and the guys, they, uh, we said, hey, well, we're okay, and, and he goes, well, why, why do you think you're okay? He says, well, well, we had the preacher with us, and, and he would be praying for us. I said, I want you to know, guys, you better get your lives right with God before this, because when, when that was caving in, I wasn't praying for Tom. I was running. So don't think I'm going to stop and thinking that I'm, I think I need to pray for you. Oh, well, we're okay. And then I looked at them, and then I said, then go to hell. And they, what, what? I said, that's the truth. It's like going to another location somewhere here on earth. It's a real place. And, and it's a place that is, well, it's hell. We don't want anyone to go there. And in and, and this, and this chapter 7, Joshua recorded this because he was so caught up. I mean, this, this was a guy who was walked with Moses in the wilderness, who was a part of so many miraculous signs of God. Crossing over to Jordan, and, and well, not over, but through Jordan as it divided the waters and, and started going to the promised land and, and the great victories of Jericho. And, and, then, and then we come to this seventh chapter. And he has to deal with the reality of sin and, and, and what it can do. And so we talked about last week a little bit in, in the beginning of, of Joshua, the seventh chapter, the, about a disobedient soldier. Because what happens is that we can get so secure in, in, in our successes and know what to do that we don't seek God. And Joshua got comfortable about he won the battle of Jericho he knew the importance of, of sending out spies because he was one of those spies that was sent out to be a part of looking at the promised land, and yet they didn't do it, but he knew that 
two spies came back and gave a report that this is a land of milk and honey. So he thought, well, if we were to only follow those spies, we would have been in this place a long time ago. So he sent out the spies. But he didn't pray. He didn't seek God what he could do because this, this city, Ai, was, was much smaller than, than Jericho. They didn't need everybody that, that they had in, in marching around the walls of Jericho. This is going to be a cakewalk. And it wasn't. And, and so he started to come to realize that of his disobedience. Then we come to that place of a defeated army because this great army of God who literally set fear. The Bible says that when, when Jericho heard about the Israelites coming and all that they have done, their hearts melted in fear. The army was so great, the favor of God was upon them so much that, that they, they melted in fear. But now, that fear, because of this disobedience, probably started to leave because they defeated the Israelites. Then we come to that place of a discouraged leader. And, and he realized what has happened, how he has fallen away in his disobedience, to having a defeated army. And it begins to discourage him. And, and there's several words that come out in describing that discouragement. I, I spoke to you last week about the word remorse. Then Joshua, and that's 7-6, and Joshua tore his clothes fell to the earth um, on his feet, on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening, and the elders of the and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. I mean, they were there all day. They ripped their clothes, they were face to the ground and covering themselves with dirt. Anybody want to go through that with me today? Anybody have a sin that you're dealing with that you're really repentant? If, if you're really repentant, let's go out. No, because I think I'd be the only one going out there. But this is what they did. And they felt that brokenness. Well, now we come to the second word. That second word is reproach. This is in 7-7 seven, seven of Joshua. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord, God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan to all, um, at all? Why did you ever have us cross the Jordan? To deliver us into the hands of the Amorites? To destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. What he was saying is that, Lord, why would you do this? Because these people, they had such respect, such fear of the Israelite army that, that now 
Here we are. He was almost saying, you put us in this place. Now here we are. We have lost the honor, lost the respect. We have lost 30-some of our own men. And, and, and you think, well, in war, 30-some men is not all that bad. Well, when they defeated Jericho, they didn't lose anybody. 30-some families have been touched by the loss of their, well, father or son. They're gone. Why would, why, why would you? And now the people looking at us with such well, disrespect, realizing that maybe we're just not as, well, wonderful as we thought we might have been. See, when we walk by faith, that we proclaim that all that God has done to you, but unbelief is almost, well, always content with settling in for much less than God. He's saying, well, we would have been happy staying back there. I would like to have better for God, but, but I'm okay not having everything. What a way to live. I think that God sometimes allows us to experience humiliating defeat in order to test our faith. And here's the thing. And to reveal to us what's really going on in our hearts. Now, pay attention. I think this is coming up on the board behind me. What life does to us depends on what life finds in us. Hmm. And we don't always know the condition of our hearts until we're put in those places of battle. There was that brokenness, that remorse. Well, let's go to a third word. From remorse to reproach to repentance. Verses 8 and 9, he says, Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before um, its enemies? Because they've been running. And for the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut us off of our name from the earth, that then what will you do? Your name, um, your great name. What would you do with it? Wow, that's kind of bold talk, isn't it? Here's what I do know. Is that the important thing was not Joshua's fame. It was Israel or Israel's conquest. But it was the glory of God being exalted in the Israelites' life. Joshua's concern was not for his own repentance, but for the great name of Jehovah. What we have done now is that we have put ourselves in a place where that name can be marred, can be looked at with disdain and not with respect. Our lives represent Christ. When, when, I think I mentioned this last week or not, but, but when my son was young and, and he would, when a teenager, and he'd be going out with a bunch of his buddies, and, and, and I would say, Tim, now, what's your last name? He goes, Da Ricosi. Right. And what is my last name? Well, it's Ricosi. So you remember that because when you go out, and you get in trouble or you do something that is, well, sin, 
They won't remember Tim. They will remember your last name, and that's my name. You see, our behavior, our actions, our life doesn't just represent me. It doesn't even totally represent the church. It does somewhat, but more so, we've got to look at the bigger picture. It represents Christ. So we go to that fourth word of that discouraged leader and it's rebuke. And you would hear some rebuke. You ever been called into the principal's office? I don't know if I've ever have. I, I, I sent my son into the principal's office at his school. His senior year, he cut out a school. And, and he went golfing when, well, it was a legal absence. And I found out he wasn't there because he had one of his buddies call in the school and called him off sick. And they say, okay, how do you say that last name? <laughs> no, how do you spell that last name? They didn't know how. It was supposed to be me calling. Didn't know how to spell my last name. <laughs> so they called me out because they figured it out. So I figured I looked out, out in the garage and golf, Tim's golf clubs are gone. And I went and found him at the golf course he was, and I said, the golf game's over. He says, you're coming home. He says, tomorrow morning you're going to go into the principal's office, and you're going to report yourself truant. <laughs> so he was the president of his senior class, and he went into the principal's office. Well, and then there was a secretary there, and he says, oh, hi, Tim. What, what do you want? And he goes, well, I'm reporting myself truant. What do I do? And he says, we don't know. We've never had anybody do that before. Go to your class. But here, there was someone being called to the principal's office. Listen to this, verses 10 through 15. And so the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Wow. Why do you lie um, thus on your face? Israel has sinned. You hear that Israel, not Achan, Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I've commanded them, for they have even taken some of the cursed. Now, remember that one. I'm going to name it one, okay? Accursed things and have both stolen and deceived. And they have also put it among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before the enemies, but turned their backs before the enemies because they have been doomed. One man. And they were doomed to destruction. Neither will I be with you anymore. I ought to just suck the air out of you. Unless... You destroy the cursed, wow, two times, from among you. Get up, sanctify the people, and say, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow, because thus says the Lord of God of Israel, there, ha- there is a accursed number three, a cursed thing in your midst. No. Oh, Israel, and you cannot stand before the enemies until you've taken away the accursed thing from among you. Four times. You think he's trying to get something across? 
And in the morning, therefore, they shall be brought according to their tribes. And it shall be uh, that the tribe of which the Lord takes shall be according to their families. Well, first the tribes, their families, and the families which the Lord will take uh, shall become their households. And the households which the Lord takes shall come man by man. It was tribe. Then it was the family clan. Then it was a household, then it was one man at a time. Then it shall be that who has taken that which accursed thing five times shall be burnt with fire, and he and all he has because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. The Lord allowed Joshua and his leaders to stay in their face until it was time to get up. And he says, now it's time to do something. There's times to pray and there are times to act. See, the, the word accursed appears five times. And he said, I want you to sanctify yourselves. Now, they were sanctified themselves to go across the Jordan to get into Israel. Now you're saying, now I want you to sanctify yourself again because there's something going on in the life of someone in the Israelites, and we have to deal with it. Now they said, here we go. What the Lord said to Joshua helps to see Achan's sin. Because, you see, sin means to miss the mark. Transgression, he's talking about that he did, is a cover-up. He had sin. He separated himself. And then he covered it up. Verse 11 says, And Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I have commanded them, for they have even taken some of the accursed things and have um, both stolen and deceived, and they have also put it among their own stuff. See, this sin involves stealing from God and then lying about it. Do you know we do that well? We might... We, we might um, um, if we lie, we say, well, I didn't lie. I, I just didn't give all the facts. I stretched the truth a little bit. And, and we give it other names so that we're comfortable with that sin. But it's a transgression. It's a cover-up because of what that sin can do. So that evening, Joshua sent the word throughout the camp that the people were to sanctify themselves and to prepare the assembly to be held the very next day. Achan heard about this. Could, could you imagine what that must be like? Because he had this treasure. Well, it wasn't his. It wasn't even the Israelites. It was God's. 
because it was the treasury from Jericho, and that was the first fruits of the first battle that they were to have. I could I could recall at times I'd be be talking to someone and and in that they they would give me their tithe and then they said boy be prayer praying for me because I have this need I got to get my car fixed and I can't afford it I said how much does it cost they said X number of dollars. And I looked at the tithe, and I said, there's enough money here to pay for that car to be repaired. And they says, oh, pastor, that's not my money. I love that. And God honored that, and that person's vehicle was fixed for them. See, that, that treasury that was taken was not Israel's. It was God's. Now, here's, here's what I want us to take a look. And here's where I really grieve over. Because as we looked at the disobedient soldier and the defeated army and the discouraged leader, we come to that discovered sin. Verse 16 through 18. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by the tribes. Tribes. Here they come. And then the tribe of Judah was taken. Tribe of Judah, come on out. Uh-oh. He brought the clan of Judah, and he took the family of Zorites. And he brought the family of the Zorites man by man. And Zabdi was taken. Then he brought his household man by man. And Achan from me, and Achan, whoops, let me see, oh, verse 17, here we go. And the son of Carmi, and the son of Zabdi, and the man of Zarah, and of the tribe of Judah were taken. Here is Achan now, went from the tribe. To the family, the clan, to the household, to a man. Because you see, the word tells us, can, uh, can any hide himself in the secret place that I shall not see him? Amos uh, tells us this. He says, whether sinners run to the top of the mountaintops or dive to the bottom of the sea, God will find them. And judge them. Now, God approaches this whole thing methodically. First, it was the tribe, then the family, the clan, then a household, then the man. It must have been frightening for Achan for him to be brought before him because now he knew exactly what was about to happen. And, and Joshua looked at him and said, what have you done? Here's the confession. Verse 19, and Joshua said to Achan, my son, 
Can you, can you hear the compassion, the brokenness in Joshua that he has to deal with this? And someone that he loved, he considered him a son. He said, my son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel. It's not that, that he's given all oh, praise for what he has done. It is like an oath. Do what is right. And make confession of him, to him. And tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan, wow, to his credit, now, to his credit, Achan answered Joshua and said, indeed, I have sinned. Not too many people said that. There's only six or seven times in Scripture where that is actually quoted that way, indeed, that I have sinned against the Lord of Israel. And this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, and 200 uh, shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels. I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent, with this silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent. And there it was hidden in the tent, with this silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent and brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. Now, he's found out the accursed thing that was taken. What, what kind of judgment happens here? What kind of judgment falls upon him? And here's, here's where my heart breaks because I want you to understand something is sin never just stays in your own little cubicle of your own personal life. It impacts everybody around you that you hold dear to. Then Joshua and all, the Israel, and all of Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and, the, and um, the garment and the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. Archer, I mean. And Joshua said, why have you troubled us? And the Lord will trouble you this day. All that he took, laid it out, got him, his sons, his daughters, all of his beasts, animals that they had. I asked myself, where was the wife? I don't know if the wife was 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 not aware of this or what, but she was not in this grouping. And so Israel stoned them with stones, and then they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with the stones. Then they had raised over him a great heap of stones, so there is this day 
so that the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Therefore, the name of the, that place has been called the Valley of Acre to this day. Now, we ask ourselves, well, I struggle with some of this, the harshness. Why the children? But you see, in Deuteronomy, the 24th chapter, it says, since the law of Israel prohibited innocent family members of being punished for the sins of their relatives. So which tells me that those sons and those daughters were a part of hiding that treasure. You, um, a character, no matter what it may be, it said, be careful who you hang out with. Because they rub off on each other. I always love the story about the disciples walking through the crowd because they have been, been with Jesus. They were hanging out with Jesus. And that anointing, that manifestation was all over them because they were with Jesus. And they're walking through the crowd and their shadow, not their shadow, it was that atmosphere of the praise of God was just oozing out of them fell upon the people and they were healed. <laughs> the love of God, the passion of God is contagious. Don't you love to be around a person who is so in love with God and they are going through the most challenging times of their life and they're encouraging you? <laughs> you go, huh? It's like when I visited an a elderly missionary lady who worked in India among the lepers. She was retired in the hospital. She was getting her leg amputated. Great deal of pain. In her gentle, soft voice, she says, oh, Then she was this Pastor Tommy. Is it okay that I call you Tommy? You know, <laughs> oh man, you can call me anything. This was a saint. She says, I counted such joy to suffer. I go, huh? Because when I was among the lepers, they would have loved to have been able to feel what I feel. But their body was decaying away. So I prayed for her. Then she prayed for me, and I walked out, and I'm asking, who ministered to who? It's contagious. It's, it's like I, I go, I, I stop into the 12-step. I ask permission tonight if it's okay. I did that because I never drank or anything like that, but I, I love being there. And those, those crazy people affect me. It's contagious. Their, their transparency, their, their love for God. I pray every day. I pray in the morning. I read the Bible in the morning. I pray, our family prays over their food. We read the Bible at night. And I'm thinking, I'm not even sure if they're actually followers of Christ, but they're doing all the right stuff of God because they know it's God helping them. And I go, wow, 
I love to be around. And then they're transparent about their sin because they're talking about how they deal with it. And they're open and they're confronting it and they're defeating it. And I walk out of there and I go, man, who ministered to who here? But at the same time, Achan, out of his greed, he had to take quite a bit. And you don't dig a hole in the floor of your living room without the family knowing about it. So the sons and the daughters knew about it. And they were probably thinking, this is pretty cool. We're going to have the good old life as we go into the promised land. And I'm wondering, how do you think you're going to spend that? So they had to be aware. Not only had they had to be aware of it, they were part of it. And here's the thing that I see from, from this story is that when we think that our sin, that I'm dealing with it, I'm okay, or I'm even become comfortable with it. Because <laughs> it's just my sin. It's never just yours. It impacts your family. And it impacts a larger family, the church, and, and more so, my friend, the name of Jesus Christ. And that death, our kids are having a good time. Don't you love that? See, kids playing on a Wednesday night and coming to church and learning about Jesus never gave them mental illness. Their, their grades will be fine. They're in church. I, I'm always humored. Oh, I can't have my church, kids at church on Wednesday night because they, uh, they got to study. They're here for an hour. Yeah. Let them be refreshed spoken into learn who they could pray to before they take the test but Achan brought such harm to everyone around him but later on and I, I in studying this I was asking myself man this guy I don't want to end here because it's like I'm taking the family of God to the whipping post. And, and maybe it's not all that bad either, okay? It's, it's, that, it's like when I told those coal miners, because those coal miners, they're, they're kind of rough and tough guys. I mean, we face death every day. And when I told them then, if they're not going to heed to what I'm sharing with them about a walk in Christ, to be able to get their attention, I just said, then go to hell. But I want you to know, my friend, is that that sin in our lives, if we don't deal with it, then we'll go to hell. Because sin corrupts everything that is around us. I'm not saying that you walk a flawless life. None of us except Jesus Christ was able to do that. But we can strive for that righteousness. In, in that very place where Achan, his children, 
and all the treasures and his animals were all stone, burnt, and covered up, became a door of hope later on. Because see, that door of hope is Jesus Christ, my friends. And I, I asked myself, why would he do have to do something so harshly because Jesus hasn't come to pay the price of the sins of mankind yet. Aren't we happy that we're living in this season of the New Testament and not in the Old Testament because we would have had to pay dearly for the price of our sins. But now we have that avenue. But that does not give us that freedom of thinking, well, then I'll be fine later. Because I don't know what later is. We have dealt with the pandemic. We have dealt with the craziness of our world, the senseless murders things that are going on all around us and we're wondering what in the world is happening, sin is playing itself out. And you're thinking, oh, so you're admitting that, that the pandemic is, is a judgment of God. It's sin. No, no, it's because how we have abused our world. It's sinful. We have not taken responsibility. It's sinful if I overeat. They say, oh God, why don't you help me? It's, it's sin corrupts. And not only corrupts ourselves, it can corrupt our children, our family. I was told, they told me that I can't reveal anything in that 12 step, but I can reveal what I say. And do you know that the sin of my father and his alcoholism, that I grew up in it all my childhood life, from zero to 18, 19, till I moved out of the house. And to this day, that when stress hits me, the thought of having a drink comes into my mind. I never do. Okay, so, but that's crazy. Why? Because the sins of the father, the influence of my father, that's how he dealt with it. And that in my impressionable mind, when, when I am learning how to deal with life from zero to 18, when majority of my behaviors, my attitudes, everything in my life is formed, that's what was happening. And 50 plus years later, those thoughts still come in. So don't think that we're okay. I'm just over it. Not only do I praise God that finally my father came to that same knowledge of Christ, which was crazy. The last couple years of his life, my mother led him in the sinner's prayer. I'm sitting at his bed when he was dying, piece by piece. 
watching this happen. And I'm talking to him about heaven, and he had no clues. I go, I am so jealous because you're thinking a street-side carnival, and it's bigger than Disneyland. And it, oh, the faithfulness, because he had that door of hope. He paid the price. We have that door of hope, my friends. So when you're dealing with, when the Holy Spirit, it may not be Joshua saying, all right, we're going to gather the whole family of CFA. Then we're going to separate the families. Then we're going to deal one with one because there's sin in this camp. <laughs> Anybody want to come to church that night? <laughs> So we may not do it that way this day. But there is someone called the Holy Spirit who begins to prick our hearts. And he's saying, hey, Tom, there's a better way. This is going to hurt you. This is going to hurt your family. This is going to hurt your church. And oh, Tom, by the way, and it already is hurting and grieving me, the Spirit of God. When that's happening, it's because of that resurrection. I love that song, wrapped in the resurrection, clothed in His glory. Whew. You can't afford that makeover. But it was already paid. Would you stand with I am so glad I've had a change of wardrobe. I'm so glad that we have that Spirit of God who continually works on us. Because you've heard me say, your past is a piece of work, you know. Because I haven't arrived yet. And we're going from glory to glory. And he's conforming us, transforming us into his image day by day. And what a marvelous journey. Because now I don't have to pay for those sins because Christ has taken them to Calvary. I don't have to worry about that being placed upon the lives of my kids because it is under the blood of Christ. And now that I could pray for that transforming of their minds, even though I may have that thought, I literally laugh at it, thinking, isn't that crazy? But there's that victory, that strength. There's another way. Once you drink of my spirit, once you begin to worship me and allow that bathing of the spirit to wash over you. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this study. Spirit of God, you've been sent to come alongside to be our comforter, also our guide. 
and to bring correction into our lives. So if there are things that we, you are concerned about, bring it to our attention. We, we together here are saying, it's okay. Talk to us about it. In fact, talk to us about it so much. It's literally beyond our minds when we lay our heads down at night and when we wake up in the morning until it's dealt with. Because we don't want the consequences of that sin to corrupt us, our family, our church, even our nation, our world around us. I thank you, Spirit of God, for your interacting, and we always welcome it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, church, what is Sunday? Mother's Day. You, you want to give your mom a gift? Every mother, she would, she would exchange anything that you could give to her if you would just go to church with her or to take her to church. Let's come together. Let's have a great time of celebration. Well, I have a great message on the tenacious, the tenaciousness of a mother's faith. A woman that no one knows, but man, this lady, she was tenacious in her faith. And then we're going to have a place out there that, that, that we're going to have set up that you could get, take pictures of, of your family, have have with your mom, and just let's just celebrate together of a family of God. God bless you. Let's greet each other here in sanctuary. You who are watching online, thank you. Hit share, would you please? Share that message with other people as we spread this gospel here in our own family and around the world. See you Sunday. God bless you.